This show is sponsored by Alicia's Pillows and Things. Check out the Facebook page, Alicia's Pillows and Things, where you will find home decor you will not be able to resist at prices anybody can afford. Check out the pillows and stools of your favorite sports teams. Maybe you want a set of your kid's favorite cartoon or movie character. You can also get full body and neck pillows as well. Log on to NGSCSports.com and go to the Alicia's Pillows and Things tab on the homepage to complete your order. It makes a great gift for Christmas at an affordable price. NGSC Sports. We never stop. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. I'm watching Shooter for the 934th time. <laughs> oh, is this the, the Mark Wahlberg film version? Yes. Okay. Which is like, to me, just the most infinitely rewatchable film of all time. Nowhere near the best movie of all time. Nowhere near my favorite Mark Wahlberg military movie of all time. <laughs> it's, wow. But literally every time it comes on, uh, I, I always stop on it. And then I do a quick channel scan. I'm like, do I have a better option? If the answer is no, I'll watch Shooter again. <laughs> Pray tell, what is I your favorite? I literally cannot tell you how many times I've seen it. It's magnificent. What is your favorite Mark Wahlberg military movie then? Uh, Lone Survivor. It's fantastic. Uh, okay. Um... I'd have to think of some others. Shooter may be number three somewhere. Mm-hmm. I believe there's another one in there somewhere. But Lone Survivor's great. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we love Lone Survivor. Well, uh, Based af- on a true story. Yeah. After, hey, it's the true story of England and the, Red Wings. England and the Champions League, apparently. As, uh, as Operation Lone Survivor is uh is maybe coming into play for England in the Champions League as we get into it later on in this edition of the Foreign Fair Podcast, episode two thirty-five. I am Edward Green, joined as always by my colleague in crime, Wes Bradshaw, and we're gonna be doing it live tonight. Uh as always, the podcast is presented by NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com. We never stop. As well as Alicia's Pillows and Things. If you have been trying to figure out what to get that special someone who is, you know, slightly above Josie Mourinho in the pecking order of the cast system in life. Uh, get them an em- sports logo embroidered pillow or thing from Alicia's Pillows and Things. You can visit Alicia's Pillows and Things on Facebook and order there as well as on NGSC Sports. 
Com. Uh, big podcast for you guys today. Uh, we, of course, have a Premier League review to do uh, with some spicy matchups there. Uh, and then and then we kick the spiciness up to three Habanero logos to the, as we hit the Champions League. Big, big week of Champions League action to go here. Then we have some very interesting news and notes coming out this week as well as Watch 4 and So Raw. All right, Wes, let's hit right away the matches we're not going to talk about in the Premier League. Uh, Everton beats Brighton and Hove 3-1. Rick Charleston with the brace there as Brighton and Hove get dunked on. Even as Lewis Dunk gets a goal in the match, Everton keep it up 3-1. Newcastle gets their first victory of the season against top half of the table. Watford, uh, a 1-0 victory thanks to an Iosi Perez goal just after the hour mark. Gets uh, Rafa Benitez's men their first win of the Premier League season. Uh, West Ham keeps on keeping on. 4-2 is their victory over Burnley. Uh, Felipe Hernandez with a brace there. Uh, Burnley's struggles continue as West Ham tries to continue to make their way up the table and into safety. Uh, Cardiff falls to Leicester 1-0 thanks to a Damari Gray goal and uh, Leicester's emotional return to action after the loss of their chairman, the last week um so the foxes get a big win there uh do 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 uh manchester city beat southampton 6-1 um it might be time to call this southampton experiment over uh they just look worse and worse and worse only a danny ing's penalty was enough to get them on the score sheet as city ran rampant uh chelsea beat palace 3-1 thanks to an alvaro morata Brace as well as an additional goal. You, you know, I, real quick, I, I, sure. I heard an I heard an interesting. Uh, oh, um, yeah, I heard an interesting uh, theory about the kind of uh, downfall of Southampton at this point. You know, they they stopped having a need to groom players for Liverpool, <laughs> so uh, you know they've kind of lost their impetus to be great. It's it's unfortunate that that's what but it's come to for them. Um, as we uh, as we keep on here, uh, as mentioned, Chelsea beats Palace 3-1. And then in a very big matchup on Monday Night Football, Huddersfield beats Fulham 1-0 thanks to a, a Timothy Fosumensa own goal. Uh, the Manchester United cast-off uh, dooms Fulham in this one as Huddersfield gets their first win of the season and plunges Fulham to the bottom of the table. All right, so that leaves us three matches to discuss, and Wes will start real quick, uh, a little more in depth with the first match of the entire Premier League weekend. That was AFC Bournemouth versus Manchester United, as the Cherries looked to move up in the table and stay in that top six discussion. Uh, they got out in front of United early, thanks to a Callum Wilson goal in the 11th minute. Uh, but United, as they have been doing lately, looked very resilient and. We'll get to even more resiliency when we talk in the Champions League. Uh, but goals from Anthony Martial and a 92nd minute winner from Marcus Rashford, who came on as a substitute, uh, turned the tide for Jose Mourinho's men and got them a much needed three points at the vitality that puts them level and points in the table with Bournemouth. Um, West Manchester United does manage to pull off the win, but it, it's kind of been a theme this year for them. They've started off really slowly in a couple in a lot of their games this year 
And at least in the past couple, and as I mentioned, the Champions League, as we'll get to, um, they have at least found ways to grind out victories and and produce these come-from-behind results. Well, they are really and truly playing Mourinho ball. And Mourinho ball, you know, a lot of people have come out and said, well, you know, if Josie has such an issue with his back line, why not just go out and try to outscore people? I mean, look at the attacking talent that United have. But no matter what Jose Mourinho does, it always starts. His number one goal is to not get beat. Yes. And that's just, that's not going to change. <laughs> Obviously, at this time of his career, that's not going to change. And due to that, United have shown this year, especially to have a propensity to start very slow. And just recently here, they've, well, not even recently, I mean, kind of look at all season, look at a lot of the wins they have. They haven't been dominating. We've just got this and taken it by the scruff of the neck performances. It's been getting a getting a penalty at the right time, getting a free kick at the right time. Uh, they almost seem like they play better when they're coming from behind. It's almost like your best bet with United is to, you know, keep it close, keep it nil-nil, and then score late to beat them. Because if you go up a goal, that almost seems like it frees them up to do some things that maybe they they don't usually have the um, you know have the audacity to go and do. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, it seems like once they're down, it's suddenly like shit. You know, we don't have any we don't have anything to lose, so we've kind of got to throw something forward and go for it. So, you know, if United keep finding a way to go down early, it seems like it just works better for them. Uh, you're... So it's a great game plan. Go go down a goal. Absolutely. Obviously, it's working for them. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, just looking at their past four matches in the Premier League, uh, down uh, multiple goals to Newcastle, come back to win that one 3-2. Uh, down a goal early against Chelsea, come back to take a 2-1 lead before ultimately conceding late to, to draw. Uh, Everton, they win by a goal, and then they again the comeback win here against Bournemouth. So three of their last four matches, they've had to come from behind to get uh, points. Uh, and just looking at their entire Premier League uh, schedule here, only one win by multiple goals on the season, and that was at Turf Moor against Burnley when they won two nil. Uh, and I want to say, I wish I had this tweet in front of me. I believe it was like the teams that have scored. Five or more goals in a Premier League match since United last did it in 2012 is like a like 13, 14 teams, including some like championship and League One teams, and like City's done it 12 times, and and I think Tottenham and it's done it nine, and Liverpool's done it eight or ten or something. Um, I, I, they they have the talent, but Wes is this kind of approach sustainable for Manchester United going forward. Oh man, that's the thing. You know, it's, I don't see how it can be because you're completely playing with fire in this kind of scenario. Mm -hmm. And Mourinho's already kind of crawling across that razor's edge as it is. Um, to me, I almost see United as becoming more traditionally, getting up and just winning matches, you know, um, I I think this team is starting to turn around and come good, which, you know, know, I hate that, but, (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the chaos. It seems like the chaos has kind of toned down a little bit over the last month. Um, and they, they are starting to somewhat find themselves. And really, even though it has been difficult for them, they're not making things easy. United seem to be finding an identity. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we'll, we'll start to find out coming up here. Um, they've got some big matches on the horizon. They do. But, you know, Bournemouth, is, as much as you kind of scoff Bournemouth, I mean, hell, that's a team that's ahead of them in the table right now. Absolutely. And then, of course, as we'll talk more about the Champions League, you know, what they were able to do in Turin. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, I hate to say you can't count this United team out. Oh, and don't forget with the rule changes that we talked about um, where you're not cup-tied now in January. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are expecting United to, you know, possibly throw some big resources into the January market. Where you know now it almost seems like buying in January it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, all, it didn't really make that much sense. So. Certainly, and that's that's something we're going to have to keep a look at. Obviously, you know, Zlatan has been rumored to make a comeback. Don't think that's going to happen, uh, but but certainly some some big moves could be made. And uh, United's certainly not afraid to spend money. It's just, can they spend money on the right people? Um, Speaking of uh, leaving it late and trying to find an identity, uh, Tottenham in the the late, late game on the Saturday, starting all the way at 3 o'clock Eastern time on on Saturday, uh, Tottenham gets a 3-2 win at the Molyneux Stadium against Wolves. Uh, Tottenham got off to a hot start. Uh, thanks to Eric Lamella and Lucas Mora, uh, they both had goals inside the first half hour uh, to get Tottenham comfortably in front 2-0. Harry Kane at the 61st minute looked like he had pretty much put it away uh, at 3-0. But uh, Wolves got a pair of penalties uh, with about 20 minutes to go that looked uh, to have a set up a grandstand finish and Wolves kept pressuring and pressuring. Uh, but thanks to a couple of big Hugo Lloris saves, Tottenham manages to pull out three points on the road. And right now, uh, Tottenham have the best uh, mark on the road so far this season. Six wins, one loss on the road. Of course, they've played the most road games thanks to uh, their stadium situation. But Tottenham really making their bones on the road this season. Wolves, not a team to be trifled with as we've seen so far. Uh, but Wes, I think even even with the the late game shenanigans that took place, uh, I feel like what we're starting to see as as people come back into the Tottenham team, guys like Christian Eriksen and Son and Deli Ali, Deli Ali who didn't even feature in this match, but obviously would play a big role uh, come the Champions League match. It does feel like the Tottenham team is starting ever so slowly to piece itself together. And whereas a couple weeks ago, I remember we were talking about could Tottenham find that gear and really crank it up to the level we've come to expect from them. The hints are starting to be there that maybe, just maybe, Tottenham is starting to figure it out. Uh, it is, and really, you look at Tottenham, a big November ahead, uh, you know, already a couple couple games, couple of wins. Crystal Palace is just not a team you can take lightly. Um, even though, I mean, that should be one for Tottenham. And then, r- really, a where-are-we-in-this-season type match when they take on Chelsea after the international break. Mm-hmm. That's just That has all the makings of such a big match coming up. 
Well, not only that, but they uh, have the North London Derby right after that as well. That's right. And also, well, actually, then they play inner midweek mm-hmm. uh, with, obviously, now at this point, massive Champions League implications on the line in that one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they'll, um, they'll they'll have Inter coming to London. So that that's an interesting one, like you said, then going right into December, the North London Derby. Um, so it's still we're, – we're at a point now, this is, this is a good time for Spurs to be getting guys back, mm-hmm. uh, to be getting them into good form, um, to be hitting that. Because like everybody, they have a very busy December coming up. Oh, yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people are feeling, you know, we're going to, we're going to kind of see what Spurs are made of because one of their question marks around them all season has been the depth of the squad. And, and you know, really when you get into December and you play in the premier league, because you know, winter break be damned by anywhere else, <laughs> but the premier league, uh, because Hey, we got TV to show. We got to make our money. Um, that's kind of where everybody is going to, answer the question about depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the only team that we have a good idea about are called city. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Liverpool for all the talk of their depth, they're going to have to prove it in December, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, um, even that plucky little man, you, <laughs> you know, these are the teams that they're going to have to make their bones in December. And it's going to be important uh, for guys wanting to stay either in the title race or, you know, trying to solidify a spot in the top four where Tottenham currently find themselves. But for Spurs right now, you know, I, I watched I watched a lot of that Wolves match over the weekend. And it was, I mean, when Tottenham got going, they looked so impressive. Mm-hmm. And then late, it kind of looked like, hey, we're up 3-0. We're just, all right, we're going to cruise home. And, and Wolves almost got them. Mm-hmm. Wolves, Wolves got a 3-2 and then had their chances. Uh, but on the day, I felt even though Molyneux was rocking, it was a big time environment. I mean, Spurs were definitely the better team on the day. Definitely deserved all three points that they got. Uh, but uh, this is a time and team. But you know, and I hate to bring it up, but it, it's out there. Mm-hmm. It's being thrown out there, so it has to be said. Um, there are still question marks around Spurs that don't have to do with the eleven put on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stadium issue is still ongoing mm-hmm. yeah i think i don't remember if we mentioned a few weeks ago but push back again mm-hmm. to going in the stadium um and with the firing of julian lopetegui um pochettino's name is right back as one of the top candidates for that job mm-hmm. and much like we just talked about with players being available in january there's a thought that coaches may be available at that time too. Now I, I, I cannot, cannot find a scenario anywhere other than Daniel Levy in January selling Harry Kane and Deli Ali yeah. where, where Pochettino is going to leave before this season is over. Well, and I agree. Um, and just, if I may interject real quickly, I'll interject away, go ahead. I, I have, you know, I've, I've followed and I've heard, I've heard the same things that you've been hearing. I, I do think one huge thing for that, because you just mentioned Harry Kane and Deli Ali, Harry mm-hmm. Kane before the season signed a big contract extension. And then just mere, I think about a week ago, Deli Ali also signed, I think a four year right. contract extension with Spurs. Right. So, and, and I can't, you never know. 
You never know in this game. We, we, we don't know. But I have to imagine that there was some talk of, of Deli Ali before he went and signed that paper said, Hey, Gaffer, are you going to still be here, you know, I don't know, by July? And, and probably got some as close to a level of assurance as you can get in this sport. So that's why, and especially then if Erickson, because I know the talks have been going on with his people, if, if he signs relatively soon... I think we can, barring a, barring a complete organizational falling out, I think we can put to bed uh, rumors of Pochettino leaving for a little while at least. That's that's what I will interject into that. I, I mean, I definitely, like I said, it, leaving in January, you don't have to sell Kane and Ali. Obviously, that's not happening. Mm. To me, it's obvious Ali ain't, or uh, Pochettino ain't leaving in January. Mm. Um my only thing is, my only thing thinking is, you know, I think there are two jobs that could get Pochettino out of Tottenham, and they are PSG and they are Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. And we say PSG, people like, PSG, what the hell? And of course, you know, he's he was a very good player himself at PSG. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was kind of where he made his his name mm-hmm. in the game was a PSG and apparently from what we hear Paris does hold a special place in the heart of Mauricio Pochettino. Um, and, and you know, with Thomas Tuchel, as, as much as I think it will be a mistake because I think Thomas Tuchel is a fantastic manager, uh, you know, PSG are not exactly known for their, uh, you know, patience. Yes. So, um, so, you know, it just, it's just that it could come in the summer where, the two jobs that you could see Pochettino leaving for may both be, yeah. may both be, they may be fighting over Pochettino. <laughs> and it's just at the end of the day, when you've got two clubs who basically have open checkbooks and will go and get the players that would make him happy. And I mean, in all honesty, can pay him more than Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my only fear for Pochettino. Less, I never, I, you know, there have come rumors about him leaving for Manchester United. Yeah. I, I've never taken those very seriously. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't see him leaving Spurs for another job in England. Mm-hmm. No, that's not to say, you know, that's not to say, you know, he might not go to Real Madrid and in five years, you know, need a job and go to United. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that, but I just don't see him going Premier League to Premier League. Right. But but that said, right now, I don't think that's any sort of a distraction for Spurs mm-hmm. for what it is. The only way I could see that becoming any sort of an issue is maybe April, mm-hmm. maybe May, if the rumors are really cranking up. Mm-hmm. Um, but for right now, I don't think that's going to be an issue for them. And I think with that issue kind of out of the way, um, you know, I, I just I think the Spurs team could be set to hit a really nice run of form, and, and it would come at a good time because once again you got Chelsea, you got Arsenal in the Premier League coming up. You've got Inter and Barcelona coming up in the Champions League. Um, you know, Spurs need to they need to make their move. Mm-hmm. I guess you would say. Um, uh, once again, I, I don't think Spurs are a threat to win the Premier League at this point. No, I, um, I don't think so. No, I, I, I really, the more and more this looks like, it looks like City's going to win the league. Mm-hmm. And maybe Liverpool can give them a run 
maybe Chelsea can hang in there. Um, but what will it be at the detriment at? Yeah. But I just, um, you know, I think Spurs are in a good, Spurs are in a position to battle for that third place spot. Um, anywhere really from second to fourth, Spurs are able to battle for those spots. Um, and especially if they're going to be knocking out of the Champions League, which once again, they, they've got a chance, but they're going to have to get some help at this point. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and they're, and they're going to have to beat two really good teams. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I think if Spurs can just solidify right now, they've still got the makings of a really good season ahead of them. Absolutely. And of course they're still alive, uh, in the league cup and in, in the final eight there. And the one that matters. Yeah, exactly. The, the least, the least mattering of all the cups, um, they're still alive in there. So they, they will keep on keeping on though. And as you said, uh, an important match against palace to, to send them off into the national break coming this weekend. All right, Wes, the last Premier League match we need to talk about. Jesus. <sighs> Arsenal won, Liverpool won. James Milner, boring, boring, rocket-firing James Milner coming through with a 61st minute for Liverpool that sent the Emirates into an even quieter silence than usual. Uh, got Liverpool going. Um, but, hey, this guy, Alexander Lacazette, who... If the fans had their way last year, probably wouldn't be at Arsenal anymore. Um, he comes through with the equalizer in the 82nd minute as Arsenal grew into the game. And a, as as these two teams have played some very exciting matches in the past couple of years, this one certainly did not disappoint either as it finished 1-1 at the Emirates. Wes, as, as we enter Anfield Corner here, um, this is... This was the start of a not great week for Liverpool so far. Um, obviously, still time to turn around at the end of the week. But this this was a match that Liverpool could have looked to saying, all right, you know, road test against Arsenal, who has been on fire recently. I believe they've been unbeaten in 12 straight matches in all competitions after their, their rough start in the beginning of the Premier League against City and Chelsea. You know, go on the road beat a top six contender and, and keep pace with city. And they were so close to doing it, but they just could not quite finish them off. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure as I, as I've texted you a couple times, very measured, well-reasoned response, I'm sure from the Liverpool fan base, but, uh, but break down the, uh, the Liverpool Arsenal match for us here. Well, I'm going to start off. I'm going to talk about Arsenal to start with. Um, you know, we kind of made our joke all, you know, the Emirates was even quieter than usual. But in all honesty this year, I'm going to tell you, um, Unai Emery mm-hmm. has brought hope and desire back to Arsenal Football Club. I'm making the joke while I can, because I don't know how much yeah. longer for now I can yeah. make the joke. <laughs> Agree. Um, I'm going to tell you, man, you know, this is a this is a different Arsenal been played under Wenger. Um, they have a verve. They have a, they have, they, it, they seem like they have a desire to go out and try to play hard. Mm-hmm. Mezzadozal excluded, of course, mm-hmm. not this. but, um, you know, got to have that player guy, but this is a, I mean, this is a, an arsenal who now they are still very suspect at the back. Sure. And in true Liverpool form, <laughs> 
we scored one goal and probably should have had six. Uh, by all by all freaking means, Virgil Van Dyke should have had a hat trick in this match. Mm-hmm. He missed an absolute hat trick of sitters. So, um, you know, they were there. I'm still nowhere near convinced of Arsenal at the back. Mm-hmm. But, man, in midfield and up at front, up front especially, I mean, they are they are much improved, um, much more resilient, much tougher. It, it is a it is a different day at Arsenal right now. And, and I, I just want to real quickly mention something uh, on that, and this is something you mentioned at the start of the match and, and and continued throughout the broadcast. You talk about Arsenal being suspect in the back. Good on Unai Emery for then saying, well we might just be in a shootout. Let's put all our offensive players in. Let's start McTarian. Let's start Ozil. Yeah. Let's start Aubameyang. Let's start Lacazette. First time the, those four have started in the same match this season. I I, I hate to do it because it's Arsenal, but I give a lot of credit to Unai Emery for saying we might not be able to stop the, the big three of Liverpool, but mm-hmm. we're going to make them their defense work as well with our guys. So great job by them. I thought. Right, and um, on the day, really overpowered Liverpool in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Fabinho, a disappointing match. Not his best day, by any means. Um, I, I think Fabinho is a work in progress for Liverpool and still has all the makings, I think, of being a top player, but he's just got to – and something that I think around. you can talk about okay. with that is is something our, our Lord and Savior said earlier this week in an interview. Um, Zlatan, when he was talking about the Premier League, says, you know, he doesn't think he thinks the talent level is a bit overrated mm-hmm. and that some things are a bit overrated in the Premier League. But he said mm-hmm. the pace will absolutely kill you if you're not prepared for it. And right. and I think that that's that's what you're seeing with Fabinho right now is just the, the adjusting to the pace of the premier league, especially in a match like this with that much talent up top is, is very difficult for him. And I mean, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like French players sometimes don't need time to adjust. Lacazette. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But you know, guys coming to that French league, sometimes they say it may take up to a year to really adjust to it. And you know, you're seeing that from a guy like Lacazette who's having a great season. And it looks like he is, he's doing exactly you know what they brought him in for now it just took a while but i mean take out the maybe dreadfulness of fabinho for the day i mean arsenal were just really good in midfield my god granite shaka <laughs> is suddenly looking a competent midfielder shaka. who doesn't get a, who doesn't get a red card every match he's back <laughs> from his previous suspension um yang is looking a lot more comfortable in london this year also playing under Unai Emery, i think that's helping him a lot um, Ozil's still a waste of space when he doesn't feel like doing what he wants to do. Um, Mkhitaryan, I think Mkhitaryan is showing what can happen when you can just get the hell away from Josie Marino. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, and so for Arsenal, I mean, it's, it's coming around and it's scary. It's scary to think about because yeah, I mean, they're sitting in fifth right now, but they're right on the precipice of the top four. And, I mean, this is a group now who, you know, Emery has not really been able to put any sort of a stamp on this team. Wasn't given much money at all in the summer. But I think he's showing what a good coach he is by turning around the dreck that was left from the ending disaster from Arsene Wenger. Mm-hmm. 
and it's it's frightening for us Arsenal non-supporters and truth be told, just Arsenal haters in general. But uh, I mean, they're they're impressive this year. And the thing is, they might end up having they might end up being such a better team than they were last year, and not make the top four just because of what's ahead of them. Sure, yeah. But I think we're gonna have to look and say, damn it, they are they're a lot better. I mean, if this team finishes fifth and like one or two points out of fourth place, I'd call that a pretty damn successful season for them. Absolutely. I mean, they've got a – I don't think they've got a ceiling like mm-hmm. maybe the four teams ahead of them do. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, they've taken advantage of the schedule and what it's been um, after that tough start. And, I mean, they they went and held on to a point against Liverpool. And had a chance to take all three, but really, okay, now to get over more into the Liverpool side, we saw it against, we saw it in Belgrade. We've seen it for a while now. This Liverpool team is just not firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a team that, you know, right now still undefeated in the Premier League, and that's that's great. Two points out of first really at this point of the season in the Premier League, I don't think we could ask for much better. Um, you know, you're two points off of City who are just fucking unbeatable, apparently. <laughs> and they're doing it with defense. And yes, I've said all year, you know, this is good. Defense wins championships. But at the same time, this is a Liverpool squad who scored all those goals a season ago, were so explosive a season ago. You can't tell me that just kind of playing a little more conservative is suddenly turning you from four goals a game to one. Yeah. Obviously things are just not clicking right now. Firmino has been almost a shell of the player he was last season. Um, Mo Salah, it's been well-documented is not the explosive blistering player. He was a season ago. Uh, Sadio Mane has been somewhat wasteful and overall, Liverpool are just not getting any sort of a goal contri- contribution from midfield, which this has been an issue for a while now. Uh, Nabi Keita, who was brought in for big money, he's been injured off and on. He's had two injuries now that's caused him to miss time. And when he has played, he hasn't really been able to get his his feet under himself before getting hurt again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Keita might be the guy who comes in and gives us that oomph in midfield. We've never replaced what Coutinho brought. Yeah. Now you're saying, but Wes, all spring you said we're better without Coutinho. Um, I think Liverpool hit a run of form last year where they had figured out how to do it without Coutinho. Mm-hmm. And they were, Liverpool were playing at such a frenetic pace a season ago that you could get away without Coutinho. The way that they're playing right now, Philippe Coutinho would be, uh, to borrow from Ray Hudson, magisterial in this team right now. That is exactly what this Liverpool squad need Mm -hmm. is that guy who can unlock and do things and has the great defense behind him. I mean, right now, Coutinho would be better than what we'd ever seen from Coutinho in this Liverpool team. (laughs) But that said, we don't have a guy who does what Coutinho does. The Fekir deal fell through. Which, hey, he's been injured all season, so maybe not as crazy as we thought Liverpool were. Uh, you know, oh my God, sometimes you know, modern medicine does apply to things. Weird. It's not just fucking FIFA and football manager fans. <laughs> um, but that is something Liverpool's missing. 
can Nabi Keita is not that type of player, but Nabi Keita can offer a lot, I think, when he comes over this Liverpool team. Um, also, Zerdan Shakiri has shown signs of being able to do some of those things for this Liverpool squad. Uh, it's just with with him also adjusting to the Liverpool style. Now he's come through and has been has had some really nice moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think he's totally put it together what Jurgen Klopp wants to see yet. Same with Fabinho, same with an injured Naby Keita. Uh, but, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, well, I, I guess I'll say I would be a little surprised. Traditionally, you're not really going whole hog into the December window, in the January window. And, yes, I know we spent $75 million last year <laughs> on uh, Van Dyke. But I think that was a deal that had been in the works for about six months. Sure. That was not a reactionary signing. That was obviously the way it was done. It should have happened last summer, and Liverpool pissed off Southampton, so it didn't. (laughs) Uh, But Liverpool are not a team who are well-known for going into January and doing things, especially under Klopp. But I wouldn't be shocked, especially if we're still in the Champions League. Mm Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked to see us maybe go take a chance and try to find a center attack in mid who brought some pace and maybe brought some the threat of scoring some goals to this squad. I think that's what we're really missing right now. Um, and hopefully that would help kickstart the front three. Um, you know, it's just it's just not clicking up front right now. And once again, luckily the defense has been – as solid as any Liverpool defense I've mm-hmm. put eyes on. So, um, yeah, but Liverpool are kind of walking a tight line between staying near the top of the Premier League, staying in the Champions League, and falling off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They they've been close a couple times. Obviously, uh, the the Chelsea match, you know, that then needed a, le- a last minute Daniel Sturridge goal to mm-hmm. to get the point there. Um, the city match where Riyad Mahrez missed the penalty yeah. late on that would have given. So, so, so you're right. Liverpool have very much been walking a tightrope. Well, and, and even and even the Tottenham match where mm-hmm. the late penalty shout mm-hmm. went went Liverpool's way. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. so I mean, it's it's one of those things where right now balancing on a bit of a knife's edge is is Liverpool season, as especially as we'll get to in the Champions League in just a moment. But first, uh, your schedule for your your roundup of Premier League matches this weekend until we hit another international break. Uh, at 7.30 a.m. this Saturday, you get Cardiff versus Brighton & Hove. So if you want to stay in bed for a little bit, go ahead. Uh, at 10 a.m., you have Leicester versus Burnley, uh, Newcastle versus Bournemouth, Southampton versus Watford, and Huddersfield versus West Ham. At 12.30, you have Crystal Palace hosting Tottenham on NBC. Uh, on Sunday, you have Liverpool versus Fulham at 7 a.m., Chelsea versus Everton at 9.15, Arsenal versus Wolves at 11.30, and also at 11.30, you have a Manchester derby as City hosts United at the Etihad. Um, and that takes us to our international break. Um, before we hit the weekend, though, a look at the table. Uh, City now lead Chelsea and Liverpool by two points. Uh Chelsea's second right now on goal differential. Tottenham are in fourth, three points behind the two teams above them. 
Uh, Arsenal are in fifth, one point back of Tottenham. Bournemouth and United level on points uh, in sixth place, but they are four points out of a Champions League spot. The bottom of your heart, the relegation zone at Newcastle. Right now, just outside of it, thanks to goal differential, while Huddersfield, Cardiff, and Fulham all find themselves at the bottom, needing to escape. Uh, And some teams have escaped in the Champions League, um, where right now it's, uh, it's just going crazy. We thought, you know, maybe going into the second round robin, some things were already solved. Nope. This is, this is the twists and turns of the Champions League group stage in full effect. Uh, starting quickly in Group A, uh, Atletico Madrid with a, a comeback, or, or a, not a comeback, but a revenge win against Borussia Dortmund after Dortmund 4-0'd them in Germany just a couple weeks ago. This time Atletico with a 2-0 win over the German side, thanks to goals from Saul and Griezmann. Uh, Club Bruges beats Monaco 4-0. What that means is Dortmund and Madrid are both on nine points. Uh, they're both very close to advancing to the knockout stage. Club Bruges has separated themselves uh, from Monaco, trying to get that third place Europa spot. Uh, West, not not much to say in Group A. This is this is more or less how we thought it was going to go with Dortmund and Madrid uh, trading home matches and just trying to jockey for that uh, that first place spot. Uh, absolutely, I mean, by far two best teams in that group. Uh, they've proved they're the two best teams of the group. Uh, big up for uh, Madrid. Dortmund have been red hot over mm-hmm. the last couple of months. I mean, just absolutely red hot. And uh, Madrid to go and beat them, and not just beat them, but beat them pretty convincingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, the first time when Dortmund beat Madrid like they did, I think we were all surprised. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I guess turnabout's fair play, we'll say in that one, for uh, for Madrid. Yep, and uh, two strong teams that could be coming out of the the knockout stage. Don't think, uh, especially if Atletico is that second seed. Don't know that a whole lot of one seats coming out of group play are gonna be are gonna be chomping at the bit to play Atletico in a in a two leg tie. No, no, no. Um, heading to Group B now. Uh, some late drama in matches in this group. Uh, Barcelona Inter was nil nil until. Uh, the somewhat maligned Malcolm uh, came through with a 83rd minute goal for Barcelona, uh, only to be responded four minutes later from Inter Milan's talisman Mauro Icardi in the 87th minute to rescue a point for Inter and put them one step closer to the knockout round. Uh, Tottenham, with their group stage on life support, uh, gave up a second minute goal to Nigel De Jong. Or, I'm sorry, Luke De Jong. Always get those De Jongs mixed up. Uh, from so uh, uh, there's so many for some reason uh, from Eindhoven, uh, but Tottenham through Captain Kane, which that's what the official match report is for the second goal, uh, got a pair of goals uh, late on in the final ten minutes to save Tottenham's Champions League season for now. Um, the second goal is taking a couple big big deflections before finding its way in, but uh, hey, you know United's not complaining either about those deflections. Uh, Tottenham with the 2-1 win at Wembley uh, still must win out um, against Inter and later Barcelona to have a chance to get out and then most likely need Eindhoven to uh, to get a result against Inter in the final match week. But uh, but Wes, this was this was where Tottenham could have folded 
completely and said, well, we don't even want to go to Europa. We're just going to think <laughs> solely, solely on domestic competition. And, and they came back. And I'll tell you what, though, even before those two goals, Tottenham looked completely in control outside of like those first three minutes of the match where, where De Jong scored. Aside from that, Tottenham looked absolutely exquisite. <laughs> you know, as we say, should have probably had five. But uh, but they got the two that mattered. Um, and again, this again a, another match where Tottenham is getting closer to that complete match. You know, the very, very brief start was the blip. And the rest of the match was very, very good from then on. Um, you know, and, and just like Arsenal did against Liverpool, Tottenham sending out... Uh, their entire attack force, seemingly starting uh, Delhi, Kane, um, as well as Ericsson and uh, Son, uh, and as well as Lucas Mora, just all out attack, and it really came through in the end, as well as uh, Lamella eventually coming on as well. Um, so again, Tottenham's chances, Wes, still pretty low to get out of the knockout stage, but. This does give them a, a chance as they host uh, Inter Milan at Wembley in a couple weeks to maybe, just maybe, pull off that miracle run. Uh, it is. And, you know, the, the way I heard it put is it, it keeps Tottenham barely on the life support mm-hmm. for at least another couple of weeks. Um, it, it was a fantastic result for Tottenham because truly they deserve the It would have been very harsh to even walk out with just one point, they were that much better than PSV on the night. And at the end, they did get the two goals that they well deserved. Uh, big win for them. It does. It, it is going to be an extremely tough ask at this point for them to get out of the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, even if they don't get out of the group, if they can just finish it strong, mm-hmm. you know, it does at least keep you. I guess it makes you feel a hell of a lot better coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'd rather be playing well and miss it because, well, we sucked early, but we're getting good now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, it's part of the master plan for the Europa League final between Arsenal and Tottenham. <sighs> the you... North London Derby on the on a on a grand scale. Don't don't you tease me like that. Don't you, don't you just... tease me with a good time. Ooh. Ooh. Got me, all, got me all hot bothered now for that. So, and the, and the only thing that's going to be higher rated than it's going to be the uh, United Liverpool Champions League final. <laughs> that's cute that you think United would make the final. Um, oh. <sighs> sorry, Josie. Um, but hey, we'll get to they, they've given themselves a big chance too, as well. Um, but first, <laughs> Liverpool, we, I just made that joke, and you know, we'll see if Liverpool makes it out of groups. And United are in better position than we are. It's very true. <laughs> At the moment, it's very true. Uh, first off, uh, I, we talked about how crazy uh, Group B was this week. Group C, also kind of nuts. Uh, PSG and Napoli playing to a 1-1 draw. Um, Lorenzo Insigne getting the equalizer for Napoli on a penalty, uh, closing out, uh, canceling a one Bernat goal from PSG early on uh, at in stoppage time in the first half. But the big story was thank Red you, Thank you, sweet, sweet draw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The big story, Red Star getting a 2-0 victory over Liverpool through a pair of exquisite goals from Milan Pavkov. And Wes, I would like to say I was watching the game, but you know, hey, Pleacher Report, 
you guys are doing a great job. Um, I, well, I it actually was on TBS. It was just like the twelve fifty five match. Yeah. Um. I, anytime I can rip them, I'm I'm going oh, to. Oh, it's at this horrible. Point. It's horrible. Um. I I did manage to see the highlights and the, 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 the goal is scored. The second goal is scored by Pavkov. And and the camera just after a few seconds cuts to Klopp on the on the on the touchline, and he's almost just kind of laughing like, "Well, I guess this is how we lose with just yeah. just a pair of worldies today." Um, just just a couple of phenomenal goals, and and that's you know how a team like that gets an upset over a team like Liverpool. It just takes these phenomenal goals. To beat them, you know, Alisson just no chance on either one, really. Um, but Liverpool does suffer defeat. And because of that, uh, they are now second in the group. They're level on points with Napoli, uh, but they are behind on head-to-head points with mm-hmm. the Italian side. PSG just one point behind both of them. And hell, Red Star is two out. So they're, they're still very much in the mix of things as well. Um but we, West, we, said, we said it was the group of death. It it was. We we B and C have been just mwah, delicious. Um, C now really ramping up into form. And Wes, I know you're going to talk to us about the match, but this just makes next ne- their next match at the Parc de Prince against PSG. I think I don't think I'm overstating this, but I think it's almost a must win for Liverpool. Well, okay, just just to get on it, I actually have the scenarios in front of us right now. Yes. Um, a result, it's a must result. Now, okay. here's the deal. If Liverpool win, we're going through. Either way, we are guaranteed to go through if we win at, at Paris. That will put us four points up on PSG. Yes, yes. And assuming that uh, Napoli take care of business, that would put PSG out with a match remaining. Wow. Sweet Lord. Um, a draw is not a bad result. It, uh, with a draw, and once again, let's just let's assume a Napoli victory here. Um, okay, it says a draw will be a good result ahead of the Napoli bat- game if the Italians beat Red Star on match day five, as Liverpool would only need to equal or better PSG's result in the final round of fixtures. Mm-hmm. Okay, a loss would suck because that means that we would have to beat Napoli by two goals. Or win by a goal and hope Red Star can get a, re- a result when they host PSG. Mm-hmm. Um, which, hell, apparently yeah. going to Belgrade is fucking terrible. So. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> um, but, you know, so basically we have a little wiggle room either way here. It's just, you know, we're Liverpool. Do we want to do things the easy way or do we want to do things the Liverpool way? So you, you want- I'm, fully, I'm fully expecting to lose 1-0 in Paris. And then be up one nil in the 90th minute at home against Napoli, and just see what the hell happens. They're playing for those European nights at Anfield against Napoli in December. That's, that's what it is. Don't need that in my life. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so you know the one thing for Liverpool, as shit and disastrous as that night was, and the fact that the two losses we have in this Champions League are probably the two worst games I've ever seen us play under Klopp. Mm-hmm. Due to that first win. Liverpool still completely control their own destiny in this group. Absolutely, 100%. Um, I mean, all, all we do, I mean, if, all we got to do is beat PSG and we're in or just don't lose. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're giving ourselves a chance here. So, I mean, Liverpool, it, it is it is doom and gloom on Merseyside this week because it's just how we roll. Calm and um, 
But at, at the same time, it's not the end of the world. And yes, going to PSG is going to be tough as hell because obviously Liverpool do not play well on the road for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and we're going against PSG. But I mean, in this match, it was, oh God, it was, it was one of these, you saw it early. Daniel Sturridge had the early chance to put us up. And when it came off his foot and flew over the goal, it was kind of like, oh shit, it's going to be one of those nights. <laughs> Uh, you know, can we can we steal a winner here? Um, some great, great quotes after the match from Klopp and our captain on the night, James Milner. They said they asked Milner, you know, when did you start to feel things were going wrong? Milner said in the first minute. <laughs> um, and they asked Klopp, uh, you know, what went wrong tonight? And Klopp said, I don't have enough fingers to count it on. <laughs> um, so it was it was just one of these terrible nights you know really breaking it down liverpool looked listless they looked lifeless our midfield registered zero tackles in this match that's not good let that sink in uh vinaldum was a passenger milner stunk uh lalana suddenly looks like he needs to go back to southampton and not be a liverpool player anymore yeah that that, that he is twitter yeah, was he is, not kind to adam lalana Lalana, now, you know, you almost have to take it with a grain of salt. Lalana's coming off a very long-term injury. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, in in this new Liverpool, this isn't the Liverpool that Adam Lalana was brought into Mm -hmm. under Rodgers. This is a different Liverpool now. This is a Liverpool that they've gone out and they've spent money on midfielders, and they look like they're not afraid to go and find the players that Klopp wants. Lalana's going to have to find a way to prove his worth. You know, he's going to have to find a way to keep his shirt and keep himself in the discussion. Um, but Lalana was abject on the night. Uh, Liverpool run over in the midfield. Um, Joel Maddock, while not, maybe not, you know, at fault for either of those goals, he just didn't quite inspire that that oomph at the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we were really, really looking forward to seeing Dejan Lovren because playing Red Star, you know, Croatia and Serbia, you want to talk about a rivalry. (laughs) You want to talk about two countries who despise each other. Um, You know, I mean, God, we left Zerdin Shakiri in England for this reason. (laughs) Basically so so Shakiri wouldn't be assassinated. (laughs) We left him at home. Um, And... I think Lovren would have come out been a been great. Uh, you know, Hillman, you know, Hillman Van Dyke are a really good partnership. Uh, and it, it just seemed like Matip, while while once again not at fault, we just didn't have that bite that we seem to have when it's either Gomez or Lovren teamed up with Van Dyke. Right. So that was something. And then I say it just seemed like we didn't. We didn't have any bite on the night. And at the end of the day, you've got some of this on Jurgen Klopp. Um, I thought it was a poor team choice. You know, looking, you got to look at the schedule. You got to look at what's coming up. You know, I know Klopp likes to rotate and that's fine. He needs to rotate. But the thing is, you've got Fulham on this on the weekend. True. And then the international break. Rotate against Fulham at home. <laughs> You know, this is the Champions League. We have a chance to go and really take control of the group. I mean, if we come out of this, we're sitting on top of the group. We're sitting ultra pretty. I mean, it would have taken a, a royal fuck up by us to not qualify. And instead you go to what is deemed the, the weakest team in the group. 
and we get we get just beaten and beaten down. Mm-hmm. Um, and Daniel Sturridge, to me, Daniel Sturridge is not a starter anymore. He is a super sub. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you if you want to, if you don't want to start Firmino, who you know we talked about earlier, has been off the boil this year. Um, you know, this would have been a great place to have Zerd and Shakiri. Play Shakiri, you can put Salah up top. Um, but we somewhat limited our options by leaving Zerd and Shakiri at home. Uh, Sturridge stunk on the night. Lalana, as we said, was bad. Um, Matip, it just wasn't the right combination. Um, you know, Fabinho had the bad game against Arsenal. But damn it, this is the match you put Fabinho in for. Right. I mean, he was absolutely dominant against Red Star two weeks ago. That was the bite that we needed in midfield. Oh, oh, Mimi. At the end of the day, it was just, it was a rotten night in Serbia. And um, the Serbs took it to us. You know, I'm kind of, I I like Red Star. I like the idea of Red Star. I mean, it's not like I keep up with them that much. But hey, you know, I just, I think they're a pretty cool team. Mm -hmm. They have a really nice pedigree. Um, And, but you don't expect the Liverpool to go in there and lose. That said, the only other time we've been to Red Star was in 1973, and they whooped our ass. <laughs> <laughs> and um, now that night is that night is known as the night that changed the way that Liverpool play in Europe under Bill Shankly and kept on, you know, the, just the style that we played. Mm-hmm. Um, going forward, we got a lot out of that match against Red Star. Uh and of course, that was in a, another time and another day. But uh, for Red Star, their first win in in the Champions League back then, the European Cup since 1993. Jeez. Um, of course, they were the winners in 1992. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you know those were obviously great Red Star teams. Um, but I mean, as we said, it has left this group wide slam open. And somehow Red Star is still in this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't think Red Star are going through, but you know, I would absolutely be delighted if they can maybe get a result against PSG. Hey, you know, better if they could go to Napoli. I don't think they'll go to Napoli and get one, but hey, they did their job at home against Napoli. Exactly. I was just about to say they they drew Napoli nil nil in the first match of the season in right, the Champions League. So, yeah, uh, Group C is um, still up for grabs big time. Real quick before we move on, and I and I don't mean this as a question to pile on, but it's something I've noticed you've said as we've gone over the course of the season, and I just want to real quickly revisit. Um, Joel Matip. What happened? Like, as in, like, wasn't he pretty good when he first got to Liverpool? I'm going to tell you what I truly feel about Joel Matip at this mm-hmm. Um... I think when Joel Maddox came in, it was a point where Liverpool's defense was so shit okay. that it's like, you've got to be better than what we had. And he was. Um, injuries have taken a toll on Maddox. Uh, injuries and the fact that Lovren, we figured out with Dejan Lovren what he needed. And that was Virgil van Dijk beside him. Yeah. Um, you know, when when Lovren can be your number two center back, oh, buddy, you've got a badass partnership there. Mm-hmm. I mean, because Lovren, as much as we laugh about the things that he said and the way he says things, you know, when you really start breaking down Premier League central defenders, 
you don't go very far down before you're like, you know, Deja Lovren's actually really good. <laughs> um, it, it just it took it took him not having everything on his shoulders mm-hmm. for him to come good. And I think, unfortunately, for Maddox, it's it's almost like guilt by association. You know, you've got uh, you've got a a borderline world class player in Van Dyke. You've got maybe the best up and coming English central defender in Joe Gomez. You've got a World Cup finalist central defender in Lovren, and suddenly Joel Maddox is the fourth best center back that we have. Right. And I think, you know, if Matip was playing in a lot of other sides, you'd be like, man, he's a right good central defender. It's just compared to the other three we have right now, he is he is definitely a step below them. So like I, said, I think it's I don't think it's so much that, you know, what happened to him. Once again, injuries played a part, but I think it's more just Liverpool have very much gotten better at that position since Matip was the best we could get. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, when, co- when comparing him to Martin Skirtle, he's a better central defender. Comparing him to Colo he's a better <laughs> defender. Uh, comparing to Virgil van Dijk, he's not a better central That's defender. True. Very true. Yeah. Very true. All right. Well, that, that answers my question then. All right. So then let's, let's head to group D uh, where a little bit has been decided. Uh, after Porto's 4-1 drubbing of Lokomotiv Moscow, um, they they get the Portuguese side gets the big win there as they top the group with 10 points. Schalke Nolfier gets a 2-0 win at home against Galatasaray. Um, with that, Schalke Nolfier now sits second place and is four points up on Galatasaray ahead of their travels to Porto in the fifth week. So uh, Porto and Schalke have at least, they, they are going on to some competitions knockout stage, uh, Lokomotiv cannot advance to the knockout stage of the Champions League. That's what's been decided so far. Um, but still some big results here. Again, though, Wes, definitely a group that it's nice that these teams are playing, but not a whole lot of excitement here yet. No, Porto's just doing... Porto's quietly putting together a fantastic Champions League campaign mm-hmm. thus far. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they're... You know, it's just you kind of expected Porto to, so... You know, for Porto, Porto's a team that always seems like they're in the team. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they had a great campaign last year, and then they hit the the Liverpool buzzsaw. So, <laughs> it you know, you can't really, you just can't judge Porto at this point sure. based on their group. So. Absolutely. Well, there's another Portuguese side in Group E as well who's not faring as well uh, as uh, Ajax and uh, Bayern Munich currently top the group with seven points apiece. Benfica are at three, and Athens are at zero. Um, wait, why why, is it, why aren't these matches filled in? That's interesting. Okay, there we go. That was really weird. Uh, sorry, Baron tops the group <laughs> with ten points. Uh, Ajax have eight. Benfica have four. Athens has zero. Um, so Athens, uh, of course, falling to Bayern Munich, 2-0. Uh, brace for Robert Lewandowski there. Uh, Ajax comes back to beat, to, to, to draw Benfica on the road, 1-1. Uh, Deuce, Deuce and Tadic with the equalizer there for Ajax in Lisbon. Deuce and Tadic. Clap, 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 clap. Uh, great, so great result there for uh, Ajax as they are just you know a few points away from jumping into the round of 16. And usually Wes... You know, yeah, Bayern Munich's great. Uh, normally, when we talk about Ajax, it's well, which of their players are coming over to the Premier League next? 
They're they're the Southampton of, of Dutchland. But um, Manchester Delete will be the next one. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> uh, but but quietly, you know, you talk about Porto. Quietly, Ajax starting to make a name for themselves in in the Champions League and and have a chance to to do some damage once they get into the uh, the knockout rounds, depending on who they face. And you know, just like I kind of said about Red Star earlier, you know, I, I kind of I like the idea of Red Star because of that that lineage. Mm-hmm. Man, you want to talk about a damn hell of a Ooh. lineage, Ajax. Ooh. I mean, Ajax have had multiple golden generations where they have produced just some of the absolute best players in the world. Um, you know, most recently under Louis Army, <laughs> uh, where you know you you go down that group, and I mean, you know, it's kind of like it is today. You know, they all turned up in the Premier League in Italy later, and were you know considered the greatest players in the world. Um, but. You know, I like to see teams like that. You know me. You know, I like the traditional powers in college oh, yeah. football. You know, as much as I hate Notre Dame, I admit that college football is better when Notre Dame is good. It's more exciting. Um, you know, it's more exciting when the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers are good. Uh, you know, football's the same way when you've got the uh, Real Madrids and the Barcelonas and the Manchester Uniteds and the Liverpools and the AC Milans of the world, when they're all competing, it just feels a little bigger. And to have someone like Ajax in there that has that pedigree that, Hey, when they get to the knockout round, you know, you can bring up the great players of Ajax history and the great teams of Ajax history. You can talk about total football Mm -hmm. uh, of uh, the orange of the 1970s. You can talk about all that, and I, I like it because it just seems to add more. And I mean, really, who the hell wants to see Benfica? Yeah, yeah. Just at the end of the day, who wants to see Benfica? True. Come on. Very, so, very um, true. go, go, Ajax, as you like to hmm. call them back in the day, just to get my goat. Ajaxica. Ajax. Hmm, the Ajax. Well, we say it in America, Ajax. Ajax, like the cleaner. Um. So yeah, that. Uh, moving on to Group F. Uh, Manchester City keeping up their dominant streak. That's in case you're counting the matches we've talked about them today. They aggregate of 12 1, um, 6 0 drubbing of Shakhtar. Uh, Gabriel Jesus with the hat trick in this match, and Leon and Hoffenheim playing to a entertaining 2 2 draw. A late, late equalizer from Pavel Kaderabek um, gets Hoffenheim a point on the road. Nabil Fekker. Apparently he was healthy this week. Did score the early goal for Lyon. Ah, the fecker. So with that draw, City now at nine points, top the group. Lyon are at six, Hoffenheim at three, Shakhtar are at two. And, you know, Wes, this has actually been a pretty tough group as well. But it looks like City now, after that early loss at home against Lyon, finally starting to uh, to make their way out of it. Absolutely. And I would just like to point out one thing. Um, Yes. You know, thinking about Nabil Fakir and how he almost came to Liverpool. You know, Liverpool have a very big Irish and uh, and Scottish fan base. Mm-hmm. Can you just imagine? Oh, I look at the fecker. No. <laughs> Which is, of course, how they say fucker. And yes. <laughs> oh, the fecker, you. Yeah. So right. I, I really, right. w- I really would have enjoyed that. But All I, right, good anyway. fecker. Damn me of his. Um, anyway, back to what's important, Man City. I mean, they, Man City are hitting a stride right now. Oof. And what's scary is they're doing it without Kevin DeBrine. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you know, we talked about straight depth and they've got it. And this is a group they should dominate. So there's nothing out of the ordinary right now going on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for city this is the this is the part where okay this is what should be happening so we're not really concerned with it Mm -hmm. all all grades on city season all analysis on city everything really needs to just put it in a bottle right now and hold it for the round of round of 16 exactly yeah that's when it starts to actually matter for city you know they did lose that first match but they've quickly righted the ship and mm-hmm. i mean they're going through there's no doubt about it they're going to go through they're going to win their group so there's nothing really for them to worry about right now they're going to be judged on round of 16 quarterfinals semifinals that's where they're going to be judged this year certainly uh no- nothing to worry about for them until we hit the news and notes uh group yeah. g um Real Madrid now asserting themselves at the top of the group after a 5-0 victory at uh, Pizan in the uh, in the Czech Republic. Uh, Roma with a 2-1 victory over 10-man Moscow. Uh, big victory for the Italian side as they now are level on points at top of the group with Real Madrid. Uh, Real Madrid going through as top right now on head-to-head. Uh, but those two teams will meet in a couple weeks in Rome. Um, so us, yeah, you know, Real Madrid just, you know, taking care of business kind of like City. And I think, you know, a lot of things we say about City, we could also say about Madrid, especially this year, uh, without Cristiano Ronaldo playing in, can they make another title winning run uh, to the final? <sighs> you know, the thing about Madrid is even under, I mean, even under, you know, the great Zinedine Zidane, um, they were such a different team between being in Spain and being in Europe. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they just, even right now, they look better in Europe than they do in Spain. Much. So, much. I mean, right now, if I was putting money on it, I'm not putting my money on Madrid to make it to the final, much less win the final. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm going to tell you, I think they've got a they've got a much better chance of winning the Champions League than they do La Liga. Oh, oh yeah, oh for sure. Um, and if I had to put money on one or the other, I would definitely put money on them going in the Champions League. They just seem to, and those guys, I mean, they have every European pedigree that there is now. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it'll it'll be something to watch because you know it's kind of it, Madrid are kind of like Duke basketball in the NCAA tournament. Madrid and Europe are like Duke basketball in the NCAA tournament. You never believe that they're out of it until someone finally beats them. Yeah. Other than that, you're sitting there now as a you know as a North Carolina fan, you're sitting there going, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit!" <laughs> And then somebody beats me. You're like, oh, thank Jesus, they're yes. out. I can breathe now. Yeah. That's what it's going to be like with Madrid, by the way. Did you see what Duke did to Kentucky? Holy yeah, shit. That's scary. Holy shit. That was a murder. So loaded. Can't wait to see them go out in the second round to Loyola. But anyway. Yes. Um, yeah, they'll do it. Good job, dude. But uh, that's just, that's how I feel about Madrid. Is, mm. I mean, until someone slays the beast, Madrid are still there, maybe not the front runners, but they're still there on the periphery until somebody puts them down. Absolutely, they they are the kings until somebody knocks them out. Um, and finally, Group H. And Ed, Ed, as we know from Omar, yeah, come at the king. You best not miss. Omar's coming. Uh, so uh, as we hit Group H now, the final group, 
Um, Valencia with a ho-hum 3-0 victory over those young boys of Switzerland. Um, they're, they're in deep trouble now in the group with just one point. Valencia jumps up to five. Um, and they look like they might be in second place as we finish match week four in the Champions League. But oh, oh, Josie Mourinho's men had other ideas. After a great goal from Cristiano Ronaldo in the 65th minute in Turin. Great, great yeah. goal by Ronaldo. Yeah. Magnificent goal and, by Ronaldo. and hey, you talk about, you know, it was like, yep, that's it. That's the match winner. Okay. That's how it goes in the Champions League with him. It was not to be one Mata with the free kick goal to equalize in the 86th minute. And then a scramble in the box. And then Leonardo Bonucci with the own goal gifts United the win. I guess Bonucci just, you know, was shocked at United's history or something. Because I know that plays a big role for him. Um, United with a miracle comeback in Turin. Um, big, big win. For United puts them at seven points now two up on Valencia as of course United will be taking them on in the final match week in Spain um, a match with young boys still to come but uh but Wes this was this was two of the biggest goals United have scored all year I mean if they, if they lose this match they're sitting on four points one point behind Valencia with two matches to play, and now all of a sudden, they're just two points back of Juventus for first. What what a turnaround! Oh, absolutely, and it was it was pure Mourinho ball. Yeah. I mean, they God Juventus were so much better than them in this match. Yeah. I mean, Juventus hit the woodwork a couple of times. They just they had so many chances to really just put this away, and didn't. I mean, Juventus were on the end of, God, we could have scored five today. Could have scored six easily. Uh, But they didn't. And uh, the Juan Mata free kick was magnificent. Yes. And it was set up by a a fake run-up from Ashley Young um, that got Wojcik Chesney moving just to his left and opened up that corner for Mata. A superbly taken free kick. I mean, can't do better than that. And then the uh, the clutch, the clutching grab, the that that last United goal was the most English goal that they could have possibly yeah. scored. Yep. I mean that was so England if there's ever been in England. <laughs> um, and it just, uh, you know, it just it, it hit the back of the net off Benucci, off Sandro, uh, Pogba looked like he was trying to claim it for a second, but I yeah. think it was like. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and at the end of the day, United, they, I mean, God, Juventus is up with 85 minutes left or 85 minutes in. Who the hell thinks Juventus is losing? Not, not anybody on our end. Drawing? Maybe. Losing? Absolutely not. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Just, uh, Juventus on the day missed way too many chances, left United in it. And, you know, United, as we talked about earlier, they're kind of finding that, late match we're down kind of spirit um so you know if you ask me i just scored too early yeah yeah scored just scored much <laughs> too early that's in the 60 in the 63rd minute this one yeah <laughs> just it. 
much too early. Um, well, that is going to do it for our Champions League talk again. Big wins for United and Tottenham to keep their uh, their Champions League seasons alive in this one and be the no- end of November before we head back into there. All right, so let's hit the news and notes. Um, big story, of course, coming out this past couple weeks has been the football leaks that have been being released. Uh, the latest ones came out last Friday, uh, and this is from Gianni Verschweren out of Bleach Report. Uh, and Der Spiegel over in Germany has had uh, documents given to them that showed, uh, and we knew, PSG and Manchester City, we knew they'd run afoul of uh, FIFA's fair play rules, financial fair play rules, I should say. Um, but now we know more about the extent to which they did. Um, books were cooked potentially with the help of people in UEFA, um, especially with the deals that were guaranteed. Um, Michel Platini and Gianni Infantino, who of course is now the head of FIFA's governing body, uh, may have helped PSG get a lot of their money as well as help uh, some of those uh, financial fair play sanctions go away. You can go read more about it online. uh, Thanks to, again, Der Spiegel's report. It's being somewhat downplayed by by PSG, although not as uh, as much as we thought it would be. Uh, also, uh, according to the, the Twitters, uh, Manchester City's owners allegedly injected $2.7 billion into the club over the last seven years through its shareholders and overvalued sponsorship contracts, which infringe financial fair play regulations. Uh, part of it also with PSG um, being owned by Qatar representatives, um, Nicolas Sarkozy, the former French president, apparently told the the future owner of PSG in 2010 that if he bought PSG and launched a sports channel in France, which was, became BN Sports, that he would instruct Michel Platini to award Qatar the 2022 World Cup. And, you know, Wes, we already knew City and PSG were super shady when it came to this stuff. We knew the, the Qatar winning the World Cup bid for 2022 was super shady. It's not hard to believe all of this is true. And the the two questions become, one, do you believe they're true? And two, if they are proven to be true, what the hell happens next? And are you telling me that the head of FIFA is corrupt? I, I, I should have warned you to sit down before I told you that. I'm sorry. Jesus, I'm just farting both my legs and my ass hitting. Woof. Oh, man. Ed, are you telling me that the French are fuckheads? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. So I'm sorry. sorry, Ed. You were just breaking down my worldview tonight. I'm, I, I didn't um, mean to do this to you. No, I mean, it's... I hate to say it makes sense. You know, the whole FIFA fair play, financial fair play, excuse me, was put in, and I'm I still don't know what the hell to think of financial fair play. Yeah. You know, I'm, hey, you know me. I'm a capitalist. You know, if you can spend it, you go for it. Hey, I'm a baseball fan. Jesus. <laughs> I love the Red Sox. Um, the whole thing, we, okay, we know that PSG and Man City, their ownership groups, we know they've got money. Mm-hmm. We know they got a lot of money. But the thing is, this whole financial fair play was based on so much more than just what your owners had in their pocket. And yet, and really, I mean, financial fair play, 
was put into place, and, and it was really all about, you know, hey, the big clubs are going to maintain their status quo. And really, there's almost no way into that upper echelon other than like a decade of doing something, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, here comes City and PSG who suddenly get these deep pocket, huge ownership groups. And suddenly they're able to do things that it was looked at. And everybody's like, well, no one can ethically, legally do this in like less than a decade. And they both turned out to do it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously there's got to be something shady. If we're still, here's the thing. I can't ever remember if we're even still playing by financial fair rules or not. Probably. Because, they, I mean, the only team I've ever seen punished for it is AC Milan. Yeah. And that was because they cooked their books so damn bad and did it so publicly like idiots. But, I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised one bit that this has come on both PSG and City. They're the poster children of this. Mm-hmm. You know, you not Man United as much money as they spend. You know, United have decades of doing. This. Uh, Munich have decades of doing this. Barcelona, Real Madrid, they have decades of doing this. They were established as those top clubs who could do it. Was it shitty that they were going to basically benefit no one else? Yeah. But now these other two have kind of crashed the party, and suddenly, you know, it's funny. It's coming out of Germany. Yeah. I'm sure part of it's coming out of Spain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me one bit when Marco pops up and has their say in it. Um, and those are the powers who have maybe had the issues with City and PSG. So, I mean, this is not a shot that it's coming out. The thing is, you know, as we've seen with financial fair play before, how far is this going to go? And what kind of any real penalties will be assessed due to this? Mm-hmm. But also the fact that it's Johnny Infantino, you've got the hierarchy of FIFA suddenly drug into this. You've gone through a recent corruption issue with FIFA. Mm-hmm. This guy was supposed to be the one who wasn't. And now it's coming out. Oh, yeah, he's corrupt too. Yeah. So, and all the trust that I'd put in FIFA as my world governing football body. <laughs> and how will I sleep at night knowing that someone corrupt is running FIFA? I, I don't know. We we were promised better, and we should have expected much, much less. And Sarkozy, Jesus Christ. I mean, are we surprised that Sarkozy's a crook? No. No, we, we mean, knew he was. Jesus, I mean, we knew he was a crook. So, oh, he did more shit. Well, no joke. Look at <laughs> France. Yeah. I mean, you, you literally can't carry a butter knife in that country anymore. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, France. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is bad. This is bad. It's bad, especially if it really ramps up into something. Mm -hmm. Because where do you go from here? Yeah, I I mean, you start having to think, do do you just kick them out of the competition? Like, for at least for a couple years? Do you, do you, what do you do with Infantino? What do you do, you know, with the owners of PSG and Man City? You know, I... I don't know, man. I don't know at all. I mean, the the proper course of action would be in competition, but then you're looking at it as you wait for people, and you're like, shit, you know, these are two of our banner clubs. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking Neymar and Pep Guardiola. Yeah. Shit, you know, Kylian Mbappe, the future of the game. Oh, man. It, it, would, it would send shockwaves if 
any real punishment will meta down. If I had to make a guess, mm-hmm. I would expect to see some sort of a fine. Mm-hmm. Maybe when it's all said and done, maybe they'll be fined. Oh God, we're going to take money from them. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's really going to hurt as they produce a million barrels of oil a day. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, I just, oh, I just think it would be too massive a blow to take those two teams, especially out of European competition at this point. You know, AC Milan has the pedigree, but AC Milan does not have the recent history of it. Mm-hmm. So it was easier to do it to them because they're not one of the major teams. Well, we're, we're we're gonna see what happens. This is this is only the beginning. I feel for for this story, along with with a lot of these leaks. Um, our final story tonight, news and notes, also has to do with Gianni Infantino, uh, in a slightly better light. Um, and and I had thought about putting the story about the 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 latest Super League discussions that came out, led by Real Madrid. I don't don't care. I didn't want to talk about it because I feel like we've said everything we need to about this stupid thing. So, I don't want to talk about it until something's actually happening. I yeah. mean, now that that thing about the World Cup now, I mean, that is a little interesting sidebar to it, which could have a lot to do with it. And, and that is what we are going to talk about here. Yeah. Um, so so there was a league considered to have 11 permanent members, or mostly permanent members, and five rotating members for a 16-team Super League, blah, 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 blah. Gianni Infantino says, okay, if you do that, if you go out and make your league, which won't be governed by UEFA or FIFA, that's fine. Mm-hmm. None of the players who play in it can play in the World Cup. And so mm-hmm. we're talking about players from Real Madrid, uh, yeah. the biggest, M- Manchester City, PSG, so that knocks out Neymar and Mbappe, uh, for the moment at least. Uh, yeah. you know, oh, I mean, it's, it's basically, it's everybody. It's, it's, it's everybody. everybody. It's all the major superstars. I mean, it's... Yeah, it, it's Ronaldo, it's Salah, it's Messi, it's you know, as you just said, it's Neymar, it's Mbappe, you know, it's it's all those guys. It's De Bruyne. Yeah, I mean that. If that is brought down, I think that stops the Super League in its tracks at this point. Oh, I think I think it but has that, to too. Yeah, but that said, does it? Will Infantino have the power to? enforce that that's the thing you can say it all day can you enforce it um i I think he could because again if if they do this league outside the bounds of fifa Mm -hmm. then they could just say all right well to to play in the fifa world cup you have to play in a league sanctioned by fifa as for your club Mm -hmm. and then that's it and and that's now would he would he would he be able to do that? I I or would he actually go through with that? I think that's a different question, but I think that's what he'd say. Well, and that said, then too, it also comes out to how they were Super League. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's the thing is I don't think we've gotten far enough to know exactly how Super League will run. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean that would have something to do with it, but. And and by the by the way I say enforce it, you know there's a judge somewhere that's going to say, oh no, you said I, I overrule it. Mm-hmm. And I mean that's the thing, you know I can see if this happened, I mean that th- they could litigate the shit out of that forever. And uh, I mean personally, who wouldn't want to skip the Qatar World Cup anyway? But still, mm, true. Um, 
Yay, Americans, our <laughs> chance. <laughs> Shit, we have to qualify first. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I don't see I don't see the Super League happening in the next two years anyway. Um, and like I said, I just I think it would be fascinating just to see how FIFA tried to um, you know tried to really enforce that rule. Because like I said, man, there's I mean everywhere. I mean, God, you can litigate over. We live in America. You can live litigate. Um, dog. So I almost, I think that would be a fascinating subplot just to see how it could be, um, you know, how it could be enforced. Yeah. I, I think it'd be a very bold step. Um, we've already seen Infantino trying to make bold steps and trying to, as I, I believe I mentioned last week, trying to stop the uh, La Liga match from taking place mm-hmm. in America. So he's he's trying to act tough, which, hey, you know, based on our last story, we'll see if he has that kind of power for yeah, long. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing is, you know, with, I mean, if suddenly if he's caught on corruption charges, Inventino might be gone. Yeah. You know, before this comes to fruition or if it comes from whatever, you know, Inventino might not have a final say in any of this. Yeah. So, you know, it could be like, oh, well, fuck you. <laughs> Hey, fuck you, you're gone. And Real Madrid and Barcelona, we're still here. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. We'll just wait for you to get kicked out. And we'll corrupt the next guy and get and do what we want. So. There you go. It's yeah. such a great, great, great system. Oh, speaking of great systems, Wes, let's hit the watch for what are you watching the week that was or the week that will be? Uh, we're coming up to the penultimate episode of American Horror Story, which usually is the one that wraps up. Mm. Um, or at least where we get the big action and then the wrap up the week after. So we'll have to check that out. Um, my God, there was something and I've lost it. Dude, I cannot freaking remember what I watched. I watched something. I watched something. I can't remember what was it. I'm at a loss. I saw Venom last week. That was cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was pretty good. Um, shit, there is so something else that I cannot think of or remember. So I'm done. That's it. For okay. Um, I let's see. What do I want to talk about this week? Um, Superstore and the Good Place continue to be really good. Uh, I've caught up on Doctor Who. Uh, still have to catch up on the last two episodes of uh, Skullface Bookseller Hondasan, which continues to just be a a great, great show. Just so stupid man is it a good show um trying to think if there's anything else um yeah watched college basketball that that's back um watched a little bit of the carolina game and then i watched a little bit more of duke just absolutely dismantling kentucky which oh boy can't can't wait for uh can't wait for that to happen uh, in, in in the future NCAA tournament coming your, up. Your March. NCAA champions, Villanova. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of hell um, So yeah, college basketball is back. That's that's that'll be fun to start getting back into slowly, but surely yeah. here. Uh, you have fun with that, my friend. Hey, I, I will. I will. Um, you know, it's it's when you don't really watch football anymore. This is you go from baseball season, you just jump into college basketball. Yeah. Um, so if if you have you figured out what you watched? 
No, I haven't. I mean, it's totally left me. What the hell else? What the hell ever it was? Well, before you I remember, rub... it was something I watched or something I wanted to talk about. Why? I can't. I can't remember it at all. Well, before you rub your brain raw, Wes, oh, why don't we get so raw with the WWE? Uh, and I'm telling you, man, I'm I'm holding on by a thread with WWE right now. Oh no! I'm just I'm holding on by a thread. Um. You know, something I don't think we really touched on a few weeks ago just because of what happened with Roman Reigns and we didn't touch on it. Um, Dean Ambrose turned on Seth Rollins that night and officially destroyed the Shield again. Oh, yeah. I had not anywhere near the same emotional effect as the first time (laughs) where I wet myself to sleep for like three straight days. Uh, This time it was like, well, you know, we've been waiting for heel Dean Ambrose anyway. And that's going to be great. That's going to be awesome because heel Dean Ambrose, we've known it's going to be amazing. So, um, you know, I think he's, if he's booked right, which I have to unfortunately preface everything in WWE with now, if they do this right, Dean Ambrose has the potential to be a mixture of Steve Austin and Brian Pillman and Roddy Piper. (sighs) Unfortunately, I just don't believe in WWE writing it this time or creative, but it's going to happen. So we'll see. Uh, so the shield is no more again. Sure, it'll be back someday. We'll see. Um, they had the crown jewel event in Saudi Arabia, the much maligned crown jewel. Yay. Um, guess what, everybody? Brock Lesnar's the champ again. Yay. Yay. Maybe he'll show up before the end of the year. <laughs> no guarantees. Never a guarantee around here. Uh, we're working our way to Survivor Series. Um, it looks like Survivor Series is going to be a lot of champion versus champion matches. Uh, they have announced we're going to see Lesnar versus uh, AJ Styles, mm, okay. which I believe we saw last year at Survivor Series. So, um, you know, WWE champ versus um, Universal champ. Uh, you'll get the U.S. champion versus the Intercontinental champion. Intercontinental champion, of course, Seth Rollins. And I'm not going to lie and tell you how bad of a wrestling fan I am right now. I really don't know who the U.S. champ is at the moment. I haven't watched SmackDown in a while. Um, the tag team champs versus the tag team champs, which is uh, AOP is the new Raw champs. Um, Ambrose and Rollins had actually won the tag titles a few weeks ago, and that's when Ambrose turned on Rollins. So Seth Rollins basically had to defend the tag titles by himself this week against AOP. and It was a good little match on TV, but ended up AOP winning. So good for them. The authors of pain. Yay. Um, and the bar has them over on SmackDown, Cesaro and Sheamus. Uh, women's summit. Now this is the one that everybody's really talking about. The women versus women match. Uh, heel Becky Lynch has been a revelation. Oh, she's magnificent as a heel. Um, you know, big baby face for as long as she's been up, but you know, turning on Charlotte Flair, uh, winning the title from her and, she is she's going ham as a heel um this this whole kind of internet thing that becky lynch is the band mm-hmm. so you know that's that's kind of the thing right now and she's going to be facing ronda rousey and it has it has been heated it has been a very heated uh back and forth between these two and i'm actually really looking forward to that one maybe more than anything <laughs> out of that is Rousey versus Lynch. Oh, that could be fantastic. Uh, and then we're going to have the um, traditional Survivor Series matches. Um, the I did not catch who the captain of the men's Raw team was. 
maybe it's Baron Corbin. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, but for the women, it's Alexa Bliss, which makes me happy because that means I'm definitely going to get to see more Alexa Bliss, which <laughs> just always makes my week. Um, and they're going to be picking those teams uh, coming up for the pay-per-view at the end of the month um, over on SmackDown. Sorry, haven't watched it. Just haven't. It's not that it's bad. I just, uh, you know, I haven't had time and Raw has had the whole, um, you know, DX and the Shield and Reigns going away. And that's just what I've been watching. Uh, speaking of Crown Jewel, um, there was a, uh, you know, the big tag match between Degeneration X and the, uh, the Brothers of Destruction, mm-hmm. which once again, awesome match in 1998. Um, it, it was a really good match. Unfortunately, Triple H, you know, he is like almost 50 years old and he mm. does only wrestle once or twice a year. And sometimes when you're not in wrestling shape, shit happens. Triple H tore his peck. Oh. Which, yes, it, it hurts about as bad as it sounds like yeah. it hurts. Oh, God. And there was a picture. Uh, he had surgery on it the other day, but before he had his surgery, and like his entire left portion of his chest up like into his bicep was like black and purple. Oof. It kind of looked like a Liverpool jersey. Mm-hmm. Um. And it was it was really really gnarly looking, um, and I guess now the question is just where are we going to go from here? Because there has been rumor of Shawn Michaels having a, a WrestleMania match. Is this going to slow it down? You know, just what what's going to happen here? So there's just there are a lot of moving parts right now for WWE, and unfortunately for them, they're just not getting a lot of them right at the moment. Mm-hmm. So we'll just have to keep an eye on it going forward. But WWE's they they really they really need to do something. Right now the product here's the thing, the talent level is phenomenal. And the product is just it's it's like early mid nineties at this point right now. Oh no. I mean now we don't have Duke the Dumpster Drozy or <laughs> the Goon. You know, now I'll tell you a hell of a gimmick in the mid nineties being a hockey goon. Oh god. Yeah, being called the goon, and he was basically a hockey player who wrestled in a hockey uniform, <laughs> uh, complete with uh, boots that were made to look like skates. Nice. Yeah, we're not we're not that level cartoonish, but this whole shades of gray shit that we've been doing the last few years, where you know we don't have defined heels and baby faces, is well, everyone could be a little heel and a little bit doesn't. I mean, the best shit going right now is Becky Lynch being a heel, is possibly Dean Ambrose being a heel, is Samoa Joe being. I mean, that's the best thing going right now. So, WWE really needs to pick it up. But I mean, I'll keep watching. Like I said, the talent level's so good, I've got to keep watching. Mm-hmm. But I'm just, I'm super disappointed in the product overall right now. Very disappointing. Well, hopefully, hopefully it will continue to to, to get better and. Little little by little, maybe maybe it will. Um, just just like our show, uh, but that is going to do it for the end of this podcast. Uh, as we run it down here on the Foreign Affair, um, once again, thanks to our sponsors, including NGSC Sports as well as Alicia's Pillows and Things. You can find them on the Facebook as well as NGSC Sports on Twitter. You can also find us on Twitter at AFA Pod is our collective. Wes, you are. I'm at Wes Bradshaw twenty one. 
I am at Edward Green. Uh, you can also find us, as I mentioned, on Facebook, as well as Instagram and YouTube via our parent show, The All New Sports Show. You can also email us at that address, allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Um, also, I'd like to thank our podcast providers, including podbean.com, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Play Music, and the iTunes Music Store, as long as iHeartRadio still has money, I guess. Um, so big shout out to all of them. Uh, we will be back next week uh, to talk about everything that happens in this final week of action before another international break in the Premier League and uh, any more news and notes that happen. But before we get out of here to end this episode, Wes, is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, it is, uh, thanks to a hurricane about a month or so ago, uh, it is the last week of high school season. Yay! And, brother, we are bringing you a good one on the game of the week. We've got Tarboro Southwest Edgecombe. Between them, only one loss. And I believe Tarboro has given up a grand total of 13 points this year. I can look it up real quick for you. Maybe they gave up another one and they've given up 20. But um, either way, it should be a good game. And uh, it is, you know, a big-time rivalry game with a lot of bragging rights. Um, on the line here late in the year. So I'm I'm really looking forward to Friday night, and I just hope it stays Friday night. They don't t- switch it on me again. That would be really nice of them. <laughs> Which I figure they probably will tomorrow, but we'll see. Um, so I, I have looked it up. Uh, Tarboro has given up, quick maths, 25 points this season. Oh, God, they've gotten really sloppy. Yeah, they've gotten really sloppy. The last two weeks, they've given up uh, seven to Riverside and then six to Jones Senior, uh, mm. re- really hurting their their goal differential here. When they when they're only putting up fifty nine against Riverside and sixty six against Jones Senior, I mean just just what are they thinking over there? I, shameful. I mean, I, I agree. It's it's a little you know, it's a little sad, but you know, I, mean, uh, I guess sooner or later, everybody everybody finally they're smart. You you go you go five straight games without giving up a point, and then you give up a touchdown and, and another touchdown. Unacceptable, unacceptable from Tarver. You're right, and you're right, Andy. Um, you know the the coaching staff and I have talked about how unacceptable it is. So we'll see. But um, Friday night against Southwest uh, playoffs included, this will probably be their best game of the year. So oh, absolutely, and uh, and and so you can listen out for Wes calling that matchup uh but for now we will bid you all adieu and catch you guys next week for another edition of the foreign affair podcast for my calling a crime edward or <laughs> for my god for my calling ah, you called yourself your own for my calling crime edward green i'm Wes bradshaw thanks so much for joining us here on the foreign affair podcast that's as wrong. always that's wrong i'm Wes bradshaw i'm Wes bradshaw and enjoy the football don't try to steal my identity on this show. I'm Wes Bradshaw. Oh, go ahead. Tell us, tell us, tell us good night, Wes. Good night, everybody. I love y'all so much. Uh, subscribe and give us a five star rating. There you go. Don't we do that somewhere? Sure. Like, comment, subscribe. Yeah, like, comment, subscribe. Sure. Just do it. Ah, just do it. Do do Ah, there we go. So I'm, I'm just did some some more quick maths here. Um, Tarboro averaging obviously 2.5 points a game uh, av- scoring 57.1 points a game so they're 
They're they're almost 55 points a game better than their competition. And that's because I don't really play the fourth quarter and most of their games have second half run to watch. Sponsored by Alicia's Pillows and Things. Check out the Facebook page, Alicia's Pillows and Things, where you will find home decor you will not be able to resist at prices anybody can afford. Check out the pillows and stools of your favorite sports teams. Maybe you want a set of your kid's favorite cartoon or movie character. You can also get full body and neck pillows as well. Log on to NGSCSports.com and go to the Alicia's Pillows and Things tab on the homepage to complete your order. It makes a great gift for Christmas at an affordable price. NGSC Sports. We never stop. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.